You're listening to Comedy Central. Oh, this was crazy news today. Did you see that some amateur diver discovered a like 900-year-old sword? Have you guys seen this? 900-year-old sword just like found at like the bottom of the ocean. Oh, no, it wasn't even like bottom bottom because it was just like an amateur diver, I guess. And then now people are like, this is like an ancient crusade sword. And there were two things I was thinking. One, it's amazing that getting rid of murder weapons hasn't changed in 900 years. <laughs> like, even back then they were like, throw it in the ocean. <laughs> it's wild. Someone's gonna get a knock on their door. Are you Mr. Christensen? Yeah. Uh, also, the other thing I was thinking was, like, to this person who found the sword, congratulations, and also, what are you doing? Have you never watched movies? You don't bring back shit from the bottom of the ocean that's a sword. One or two things is gonna happen. Either you're gonna be leading people now, or more likely, there's a curse. A curse is gonna happen to all of us in humanity because you went and you fetched a sword. You couldn't just leave the sword where it was. This is white people. This is what this is, white people. Because everyone of color, they'd just be like, yo, you know what I saw at the bottom of the ocean? A sword. Why didn't you bring it? Nah. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square, the most important place on Earth, it's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, workers are walking out, trees are racist, and Alex Wagner. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and joining me for today's headlines is our very own Desi Lydic. What's going on, Desi? Oh my God, Trevor. I am so glad that you called me in because I cannot work from home anymore. Right? It's yeah. like, it's such a cool feeling to just like be, I, I mean, I know we're not like fully back, but this is like a nice yeah, feeling. It feels so good. I'm yeah. telling you, my neighbor's a nightmare. Trust me, I know. I know no. what that feels like. No one knows my neighbor. My neighbor's insane. Yeah, well, I mean, I know what a neighbor, like. Uh, no, but you don't, you don't know my neighbor. She does like, like she pops by all the time unexpectedly. She tries to make small talk in the elevator. I hate talking to people. Yeah, well, I, f I feel you, but either not way. Not you, not you, though. No, I mean, I of love course. talking to you. Of course, but it's good yeah, to have you. Super happy to be here. This is cool. Nice to see you, Desi. See you. Oh, yeah, we're back, baby. All right, let's kick things off with the topic on everyone's mind vaccine booster shots. They're like a butt lift for your immune system. And one thing people are wondering about is whether they should mix and match their shots. Because maybe vaccines are like superheroes. You know, sure, Iron Man can save your life. But if you follow him up with Captain America, well, now you have the Avengers. And where it really gets complicated is with the Johnson & Johnson shot, which is basically uh, Hawkeye. You know, it's better than nothing, but come on, huh? So researchers have studied which booster would help people most if they got J&J &J first. And the results were pretty dramatic. Now, the new research indicates Moderna's booster shot was most effective for people who originally got the J&J &J shot. It increased antibodies 76-fold. A Pfizer booster created 35 times the antibodies, and sticking with J&J, &J, it quadrupled the antibodies. Oof, that's uh, embarrassing for Johnson & Johnson, having another vaccine come in and do way better than you on you. I mean, that, that's like being upstaged by your son's new stepdad. Hey, don't worry, kiddo. I'll teach you how to drive since, you know, <laughs> I have a car. Pew, pew. I mean, clearly someone at the company has to be held accountable for this. Personally, I blame Johnson. Well, then again, maybe it's Johnson who I should blame. No, no, it's definitely Johnson. 
But I do hope that J&J doesn't get too down on itself because they fit an important role here. Like, they're the vaccine that the other vaccines hang around to feel better. Plus, I'm glad that this is happening because I love that you can mix vaccines, right? Like, am I the only one who gets excited about this? It's like the adult version of when you mix all the soda fountain flavors together. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, that Trinidadian one that gives you a monster nutsack. Let's do this! I feel, like, I feel like J&J should just really stick to what they know, right? Like baby shampoo, cotton swabs, and Band-Aids for white people. Wouldn't that be better? <laughs> it would be. They know that really well. Yeah, yeah, it but would I, be. No, I am also very excited about the mix and matching thing because it's sort of like... It's like being a vaccine swinger, right? Like I had Moderna, but I'm kind of Pfizer curious. I like that. Right? Yeah, I actually like that. And the like FDA that. has totally given us a green light. It's so very like, forward thinking, yeah. Why not just see what else is out there? Yeah, yeah. You know? Also like you see the mix, you know, you see like, you know, like maybe starting off with this and then going to this helps you appreciate the other one more. Yeah, Moderna's been in me, what, like two times tops? It's not a commitment. If they wanted a commitment, they would have given me a lifetime of antibodies, so. You know, I'm, I'm, speaking of insane swinger life, my neighbor makes the loudest sex sounds. It's like sex all day long. It's crazy. You should hear the noises she makes. Do you want to hear? I recorded it. Well, I, I don't know if you can play that. Yeah, no, I can play it. No, legally on the show. I don't know if we could play it's your neighbor's. It's like seven, eight minutes tops. Wait, you recorded your neighbor? How? Were you the cops? It's fine. I'll just listen to it on my headphones. It's fine. Go, go ahead. I don't, I don't think you're allowed to. All right, let's move on to our next story. It's about Hooters, the restaurant that makes its waitresses wear skimpy clothing so that you, I don't know, can have a boner while you eat. It's never really made sense to me. Can anyone explain that concept? Maybe as a non-American, I don't understand this thing fully. Is the point that you wanna be really hard when you eat your food, is that, is that what we're going for? Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, Hooters announced that from now on, their waitresses had to wear even shorter shorts. Then yesterday, Hooters reversed their decision after a bunch of waitresses went on TikTok and told the company to kiss their exposed ass. Several Hooters employees posted videos criticizing the new shorts. The new black shorts, um, away from my black t-shirt, they, they do not have a bottom. They have a crotch string. Then with the new tights, I can't even hide the front of my leggings. And oh, oh look, a wedgie. Okay, people, that's just wrong. And like, forget, forget wrong for women and wrong for society. It's just wrong on a food safety level. Like, you don't want the person serving your wings to be digging their pants out of their ass all day. But yeah, the waitresses have shut this shit down fast. And I'm not surprised. I mean, half their job is turning down creepy men's requests. This was always gonna happen. And who does need to listen to their servers? Because without them, who does is nothing. I mean, what do you have without those women? All you have is just crusty chicken wings and an owl with an eye infection. It's gone. I used to think that men who went to Hooters were really creepy, but then the internet came about. It's like you can watch an orgy in 4K on your phone right now. Or you can shoot one. Do you want to see my neighbors? Wait, so who's creepier? The people who go to Hooters or the people who watch it at home? Well, that sounded a little judgy. I feel like in the workplace, we shouldn't talk about this. You're right, you're right. That's, that's all. You're I right. Mean, I'm like, you okay, know. you know what I could get on board with? I would get on board with less butt coverage if they would compensate by giving them more health coverage. That seems fair. Oh, that's deep. Right? 
Oh, that's really deep. That's a good trade-off. That would be a crazy world to live in if you knew like how skimpy people are dressed is how much health coverage they have. Yeah. Then you'd be like, yo, nuns are being screwed by the church. Exactly. They got no health coverage. It's all up to the Lord. That's right. There are only so many prayers. I like that idea, actually. I mean, just balance. Yeah. That's what life is about. They were going to stage a walkout, but it was too cold outside in those uniforms, so they went to TikTok. <laughs> Which can actually be a super powerful tool. It's it like, is. It's how I got my neighbor to stop complaining about me to the HOA board. You used TikTok against yeah. your neighbor? Yeah, I used, I used TikTok to get my neighbor to stop complaining about me to the board. It's not cool. I'm just living life. Huh. It's weird, when you sat down and you, you said your, your neighbor like, is a problem, I, I don't know why I, I, I assumed that your neighbor was the problem. Yeah, she's the problem. Because she complains about me, often. Do you know her? Has she been talking to you? Um, finally, let, let's talk about Kanye West. Today, the iconic rapper, fashion designer, and self-appointed youth pastor made a big announcement. He is Kanye no more. From now on, his full legal name is simply Ye. And I'll be honest, I get why he changed it. I mean, if I had gone super MAGA like he did last year, I also would want to distance myself from myself. I'd be like, Trevor, Trevor who? I'm just brr. Plus, there are definite benefits to having a name that's only two letters long. Like, Long names are tedious. Have you ever tried to input your name with an Apple remote? Yo, it's why I never signed up for Paramount Plus. Gotta scroll the Yo, it's, it's a joke, joke, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I signed up, I signed up, Picard. But apparently, apparently, that's not why Kanye changed his name. The 44-year-old has no legal middle or last name now. He said he was making the switch for personal reasons. He believes that yay is the most commonly used word in the Bible. Okay, first of all, I think it's safe to assume that anything Kanye does is for personal reasons. I mean, this man has never uttered the sentence, let's go with what's easiest for everyone. I don't think he's that kind of guy. But also, what does he mean that he believes yay is the most commonly used word in the Bible? Like, I know that the Bible is open to many different interpretations. You know, some people say Jesus died for our sins. Others say that he died for our shins, which to be honest is not as good a story. But, but this particular thing is not a belief. It's something you can count, and yay is not remotely the most common word in the Bible. Look, I will say this though, man, I, I joke about Kanye all the time, but this is one instance where I'm completely on his side. I know people think he's a strange guy, he wears a mask and he runs around in weird clothing, sunset, but yo, changing his name might be the least weird thing he's ever done. I mean, think about it. Why should someone else get to choose the thing that you're called? You know, your parents are just like, that's your name. That's not my name. That's the name you thought I would be. I'm not a Timothy. Imagine if you had to live your whole life with the things your parents forced on you as a kid. Shit, I'd still be eating vegetables. It's my life now, mom. I eat whatever I want. I eat a dick. My neighbor is the biggest dick eater you'll ever meet. True story. True story. Desi, I, I, I really, look, I, I love having you here, but Thank I- Thank you. Like, I, I don't- Because I might not leave. Yes, but I, I, here's the thing. I was hoping we'd make more jokes about like the news and I feel like you're just coming here to like trash your neighbor. No, 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 no. I wanna weigh in on this Kanye thing. Sorry, yay thing. I think it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It really isn't. I mean, celebrities have been giving themselves nicknames forever. Right? Right? Lil Nas X, uh -huh. Lady Gaga, mm -hmm. Channing Tatum. Nobody's called that. I, I think that's a, no, I think that is. Yeah. 
It's totally normal. It's really not that big of a deal. Also, do you know who's been changing their name forever? Women. When they get married, they take their husband's name. It's a huge pain in the ass. It's like Kanye changes his name and he gets headlines. A woman changes her name and she gets to spend a day at the DMV. I had to drop my first name, move my middle to my first, move my last to my middle, take my husband's name. My passport looks like a CVS receipt. It's a mess. Oh shit, this is my neighbor, hold on. Hello? No, I'm not moving out, you're moving out. No, you're moving out. You know what, I am tired of having this argument, mom. Wait, your mom is your neighbor? Yeah. Hello? Wait, you're recording? Should I hang up? I'm not gonna. I just, let me wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. I gotta wrap this up. No, it's, Jesus, forget it. Forget it. I'll just take it over here. I'll be quiet. No, you're the worst. Eat a dick, mom. All right, let's move on to our top story. Jobs. How Americans prove that they deserve healthcare. Right now, America is experiencing a big change in what it means to have a job, and especially what it means when your job treats you like crap. So let's find out what people are doing about it in another installment of Labor Pains. We've talked a lot lately about the unprecedented labor issues sweeping across the country right now. With more job openings than ever and more people quitting than ever, workers suddenly find themselves with a lot of leverage. And they're using it to demand things like better pay, more flexible hours, and canceling the annual company squid game. And a lot of companies are giving into these demands, but not all of them. Which is why all around the country right now, you're seeing this happen. This week, 10,000 workers at agriculture equipment manufacturer Deere & Company made their voices heard. It's the first strike for the United Auto Workers Union in 35 years, and just the latest in a string of labor actions across the country. More than 24,000 employees at healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente have voted to authorize a strike, as more than 1,000 workers at cereal maker Kellogg began their own strike. With more disputes looming across other industries, some are calling this month Striketober. That's right, Striketober! It's a great month to hit the picket lines because you're out on the street and it's an easy segue into trick-or-treating. Who got the power? We got the power! Ding dong! Who got the Twix? You got the Twix! And right now, workers from so many different industries are striking. Although, it's none of the bad industries that you wish would go on strike. Like, have you ever noticed how the people who collect student loans, they never go on strike? Or telemarketers, come on, you guys deserve better pay! Now, going on strike, is not a step that workers take lightly. It's a major decision, you know, you risk your jobs, you lose out on pay, you have to protest in front of your workplace, but you can't go in to pee. Which means that when people do go on strike, they probably have pretty good reasons for doing it. Take an iconic American brand, John Deere. They had profits of $4.7 billion in just the first three quarters of this pandemic year. Workers say they power that. They're demanding better pay, secure pensions, a fair share of a hugely profitable American company. The company wants to eliminate pensions altogether for new people, and we refuse to sell people down the road like that. Sounds like it's about sticking together. Yes, it's about sticking together now and for the people that come after us. And about better pay. Yes, absolutely. The company 
Their profits have just been through the roof. John Deere's profits grew by 61% in recent years, and their CEO's salary grew by 160% during the pandemic. We're the ones that make your stuff. We've earned it. Give it to us. End of discussion. Well, the man makes a solid point. I mean, the CEO got a 160% pay raise while screwing over his workers? That's a horrible idea, man. Especially when your getaway vehicle is a tractor. You'll never catch me, peasants! <laughs> You're still here. <laughs> but once I get into... No, this only has one gear. <laughs> Maybe we should talk. You know, honestly, some of these CEOs get so greedy that they become short-sighted. Because if they thought about it, they would realize they could probably get away with exploiting their workers for longer if they just exploited them a little less. But if you don't give them anything, well, then it's really easy to notice the disparity. Wait a minute, are you cutting my pension? Sorry, there's just not enough gold to go around. <laughs> oh, I choked on some gold. But workers have different reasons for going on strike. At John Deere, they're basically looking for the company to simply share a bigger piece of their giant profits and not cut their pensions. But over at Kellogg's, one of the big complaints of the workers is that in order for you to get your cereal in the morning, they have to work morning, noon, and night. For any time that someone would feel sick or whatever, they want you to use your vacation days as opposed to having sick days. And again, in working excess of 120 days in a row. You know, best friend died. Yeah, sorry, not my problem, that's yours. We got cereal to make. We work seven days a week. We are literally scheduled seven days a week. So in order for me to get a day off, someone else is working 16 hours. Very often, we don't even know that we have to work 16 hours until 10 minutes before it's time to go home. If you have dogs, if you have kids you have to pick up from school, if you have other obligations, I hope you have somebody to call because you have to stay. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I heard how brutal these hours were, I was shocked. Like, what the hell, Kellogg's? You shouldn't be working people to the bone for cereal. We can all eat a pancake once in a while. It's fine, no one's gonna die. And it's not just inhumane to treat employees this way. It also goes against the Kellogg's brand image of like cheerful, colorful cartoon mascots. You know, if Kellogg's keeps this up, those games on the back of the box are gonna start getting a lot less cheerful. You guys better watch out. So not wanting to be worked to death seems like a pretty reasonable demand. But so far, these companies aren't giving in. And what's funny to me is how some of these companies are trying to get by without their workers. Like for instance, John Deere. They reportedly redirected their office employees to work on the factory floors. And one of those workers, get this, immediately crashed a tractor, which of course was gonna happen. I mean, office workers do not have the skill set to work in a factory. You hand them a wrench and they'll be like, okay, do I use this to check my emails? Oh, and look what happened when one distillery hired a non-union truck driver who was very passionate about not supporting the truck driver's strike. A semi-truck overturned on Wednesday near the Heaven Hill Distillery in Nelson County where workers are currently on strike. Union officials said the replacement driver made an obscene gesture towards strikers, causing him to lose control of the vehicle, which then flipped over. Oh, you see that? That's karma. And by the way, if you can't flip someone off while driving, you shouldn't be driving anything. And that's a fundamental driving skill. Parallel parking, three-point turn, go f yourself. Those are the basics. You know, the worst part is that he flipped 
over right in front of the other people who are striking. How do you save face after that? Right? You flip them off. And then, you probably just got to play it off like you're joining the strike. You know, your truck flips and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I flipped the truck to support you guys. We're striking for medical benefits, right? Because I think I screwed up my back. Ah. So where is all this headed? Well, I don't know, but I hope these companies start treating their employees like people and not just money-making machines. And if they don't do that, well, then they should at least be honest in their TV commercials. Frosted Flakes is the only cereal flavored with the tears of the people who made it. They're exploited. Seems right to me. All right, when we come back, Dulce Sloan will explain why trees are racist. I know, it blew my mind too. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. When Dulce Sloan has something to say, we let her say it in another episode of Dulcein. Trees, they've been throwing shade for millions of years, mostly from the sun. Although, you should hear what they said about your man. <laughs> but chances are, if you live in a low-income neighborhood, trees are harder to find than an employee restroom at an Amazon fulfillment center. Why, you ask? Come on, you know the answer. Say it with me. Racism! In 92% of U.S. communities, low-income neighborhoods have less tree coverage than high-income neighborhoods. And parks serving low-income households are four times smaller and four times more crowded. Sounds a lot like my first apartment in New York. My dishwasher was literally a dishwasher. I could only clean them one at a time. And I know what you're thinking. Dulce, don't people choose where they live? Isn't green space random? How do you keep your eyebrows so popping? These are all great questions. First of all, my mama. Second, the disparity in tree coverage isn't random. It's connected to a racist practice called redlining, which began in the 1930s. Redlining made it almost impossible for black people to get a home loan approved in white neighborhoods, which led to residential segregation and a wealth gap between black and white families bigger than Lil Nas X's baby bump. And because poor black neighborhoods were poor and black, cities didn't want to waste resources on them. And that included trees and parks. That effect is still felt today. In 37 cities around the country, Formerly redlined neighborhoods have about half as many trees on average as the highest rated predominantly white neighborhoods. Basically, the only trees that some hoods have will get you two to 10 years. And you might be thinking, so what? Poor minority neighborhoods don't have as many trees. What's the worst that could happen? Y'all don't have enough housing for Keebler Elves? But actually, it makes a big difference in a lot of ways. For one thing, a lack of trees leads to heat and lots of it. Studies have found that almost all of the formerly redlined neighborhoods are hotter than the ones that weren't. Some by like 13 degrees. Now 13 degrees may not seem like a lot, but that's two totally different lifestyles. At 80 degrees, you're enjoying the pool. At 93 degrees, you are a pool. Sparse tree cover disproportionately affects communities of color and translates into higher rates of respiratory illness, including childhood asthma, hospitalizations, and even deaths. This is such a crisis, I wouldn't even mind getting more stuff in the hood that used to be trees. I mean, let's stack some loose leaf paper on the corner and see if that helps. And while communities of color are the most impacted by all this, adding more trees and parks would benefit everyone. 
because trees might not look like big ass air filters, but that's exactly what they are and what they do. Just think of a park as being full of Dyson air purifiers. Not to mention that green spaces help regulate floodwaters and even reduce crime because it's pretty hard to be in a gang when you have a bunch of parks nearby. How you gonna be tough during the fall? Like, hey man, I wanna pick up that nine, but the leaves are changing. It's so pretty. Yo, let's go pick some apples. So the next time you see a vacant lot or empty plot of land in your city, ask yourself, why isn't there a park there? Better yet, ask your local officials, because we need more trees in urban spaces, starting with my apartment. I'm gonna get one one way or another, because that Dyson, mm, too expensive. Thank you so much for that, Dulce. All right, when we come back, Alex Wagner will explain why American democracy is doomed. Sounds like fun. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Alex Wagner, co-host and executive producer of Showtime's The Circus. She's here to talk about the political divide in America and the state of the Republican Party. I'm trying to get a sense of where you think the Republican Party is at. Is the movement in the party towards you? I would say that McConnell's like way, way outside the step of the party. I mean, he's almost anti-base at this point. Most of, but most of the Republicans haven't woken up to the proper role of what the Republican Party should be today. And uh, that's a smaller group. That's Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, Marge Taylor Greene, myself, people like that. And then you have like what I would consider just like a, like a liberal Republican like Mitch McConnell. I mean, he's basically a liberal at this point. He's almost a Democrat. And they know, they just know, they're just biding their time before they're removed from the party. Survival of the fittest. That's right. Alex Wagner, welcome Trevor, to the show. It's always good to be here, my friend. I feel like every time you come here, though, you come with a slightly more ominous message <laughs> yeah. for, for what America should expect. I'm a Cassandra, a you, harbinger of doom. You, it really feels like you are, because that clip that we saw that, I'm sure some people are watching that, and then they just thought, wait, did that guy say liberal? Mitch McConnell is yes. a liberal, yes. like the Mitch McConnell. The words liberal and Mitch McConnell yes. were in the same sentence, like and wherever, liberal was a descriptor. Wherever Mitch is right now, his jowls are, are like trembling. <laughs> yes. so let's, let's jump straight into this. So you've been on the road now for how long? Uh, six weeks. Six weeks on the road. Six weeks in this, in this run. In this chunk, And though, then we, right. we started at the beginning of the year on, on January 5th. Right. I started my year in Atlanta, and we know what happened uh, on January 6th. Right. I, and I feel like what you've been doing is what many journalists have stopped doing in America, and that is being on the ground, mm -hmm. talking to the actual people. What's your assessment? If I was just saying from like 10,000 feet, things are good, things are bad, things are okay? I, again, I'm going to really fulfill my role as the Cassandra of this television program. It is bad out there, Trevor. It's worse than we think it is insofar as the machinery of democracy is, I think, in many ways grinding to a halt. I think what Republicans are doing at the state level, they're doing at the gubernatorial level is incredibly worrisome. What does that even mean? Well, look, we talk a lot about 2020. Yes. And we talk a lot about January 6th and what happened. But in many ways, looking back is what the Republican Party is doing in order to look forward, which is to say they see the areas where they didn't succeed in terms of insurrection, in terms of uh, swinging the vote, in terms of literally usurping American democracy. They okay. look and they see that as almost a, a series of tests and, and they're trying to figure out how to 
foolproof the system, if you will, ahead of the 2022 midterms and the 2024 election. They are there are voter suppression efforts that you have you are well aware of, but there are also election subversion measures that they are undertaking to change state election boards, to undermine Secretary of States and their powers. The machinery of elections and democracy is very much something Republicans have set their sights on. And they are not going to be content to just let the voters have their will. I really feel like we are on the precipice of one of our two parties trying to undermine the will of the people and American democracy. Okay, but what about all of the, like, the, the stalwarts of the, of the GOP? Like, the ones who always, like, the institutions are everything, you know? Is it now just Trump land? Is that what you're saying? Yes. It is Trump's party. It is not Mitch McConnell's party. Mitch McConnell, because he is an institutionalist, is somehow seen as a rhino. Because he didn't fall in line with Donald Trump initially, he is seen as a traitor to the cause. At this point, the mendacity has infected the hierarchy of Republican power. Steve Scalise, the number two Republican in the House, won't say whether Joe Biden was actually the rightful winner of the 2020 election. And yet still, because they're institutionalists, because they're not seen out there, because they weren't part of the insurrection, pumping their fists on the way into the Capitol, they're seen as traitors. I mean, that's deeply dangerous. But the fact is, that is the Republican Party at this point. That is two-thirds of the Republican Party, and that is how Republicans are going to win elections in 2022. So that is two-thirds of the Republican Party, but America still has people who would consider themselves centrists or just, you know, we don't favor a particular party. And then you have the Democrats. What are the Democrats doing about this? Surely there's something that they have in place? Like, I'm, like they seem like the kind of people who would, like, plan ahead and they, they, they know how to counter this? Yeah. Yes. Listen, I think... The Democrats are really focused on passing President Biden's agenda, and they are dealing with crosswinds inside the party. Part of the problem with the Republican Party shrinking and becoming a collection of people who are not tethered to reality mm -hmm. is that those who still believe in facts and read mainstream news have basically become Democrats. I mean, in what world is Joe Manchin really like in the same party as AOC? The Democratic tent is massive. And so whenever you want to get Democrats to pass something, you got a lot of weather patterns that have kind of converged inside one party. Which You've got means, the big tent. Yes, you have a big tent. And they're very intent on giving their president a win. And they also are terrified that 2022 is going to kick them out of power. This is their last chance to do something really big and mm -hmm, structural mm -hmm. for American society and the economy. And so that's what they're focused on. I don't know. When, when you go out there and when you talk to people, what I find particularly interesting is I've always had this idea of like super Trump people as being like extremely manic and like, ah, but it seems like the people who are running for positions of power in the Trump party, they seem pretty lucid. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain this to you, but they, they don't seem like QAnon-ish in that way. They seem lucid, but mm -hmm. they also seem like they're going to burn everything down. They go, oh, we're going to destroy this, but I, I can tell you the alphabet backwards. I'm, I'm in the game. Let's go. Yeah, well, what's disturbing is the degree to which otherwise sentient people who worked in business, who had careers, who are mothers, who are college educated, have fallen down or willfully or unintentionally down a rabbit hole of misinformation and who now see the world in radically different terms than most people who are still tethered to the universe okay. facts and reality do, you know? So when you talk to them, there's nothing you can say. I you talk have conversations to the people, with them. I talk to the people who are there telling me that COVID is not a risk, uh -huh. that it is an infringement on civil liberties to require children who cannot get vaccinated to wear masks in school. Okay. And they see, say this with empathy, with seriousness, and with conviction. And, and, and when you see the world in such diametrically oppositional ways, it makes coming together, let alone convincing someone well, of your impossible. point of view, 
impossible. And I have to believe that somehow that sort of DNA that connects us all as a species kicks in at some point. And, and that's the hope, is that legislative we can remind, legislatively we can remind ourselves that it's not just about democracy, it's about humanity. You know, it's not just about winning re-election, it's about the, the, the human experience and, and the suffering and, and the things that unite us as a country. It sounds so Pollyanna-ish, but, but we are the United States of America and we're in this marriage. We're not getting divorced, so we gotta figure out a way to get along and see each other as human beings. And I think maybe some of those people still can do that. Hmm. Well, 50% of all marriages end a certain <laughs> way, so what? we're hoping that this marriage somehow finds a way that it can be resolved? I don't resolved. know. Listen, it could be an open marriage. We could adopt. I mean, like, maybe you guys, Canada, Mexico, you guys figure out a bring thing. Bring them in. You know, figure it out. Um, Alex, I could always talk to you forever. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you for being on the road. I, I, I genuinely enjoy watching the show because it's fun to see people talking to people about these things as opposed to having someone report on an idea of who the people are. So uh, it doesn't make it any less scary, but it is very entertaining. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Trevor. The Circus airs Sundays at 8 p.m. on Showtime. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, please consider supporting the Violence Intervention Program in New York City. They work within Latino communities to end domestic and sexual violence by providing emergency shelter, counseling, and advocacy for long-term economic stability and healing for survivors and their children, something that has been more important than ever throughout the pandemic. If you wanna support their work, please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're driving and you're angry, Keep your middle fingers on 10 and 2. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.